Welcome back to the Farm Credit Advocates Podcast. I'm your host, Katie Ward, Marketing Specialist here at Mid-Atlantic Farm Credit. The past seven months have been difficult for our country, and I think everyone can agree when I say that we are very grateful for our first responders. Those on the front line of the COVID-19 pandemic who have been sacrificing themselves to keep us all safe. Living in rural America allows many men and women to have farming as a second career or a part-time job. And a lot of our farmers in the Mid-Atlantic region are also first responders serving their communities. I'm so happy to speak with our dual career woman today on our podcast, who works as both a first responder teacher at a college and a poultry grower on her farm. Katie Winstead-Rewer serves her community teaching nursing at Chesapeake College after 12 years as a nurse, and she also serves consumers as an owner and operator of a poultry farm where she tends to her four chicken houses twice a day every day. Katie grew up on a small farm and helped her family with their birds, so she always knew she would love to have chickens of her own one day, and she also grew up seeing the passion of her family members who were nurses, and she knew she always wanted a career in that field as well. Now her dreams have come true, and she works as both a nursing teacher and a poultry operator. I'm delighted to have Katie talk with us today about her path to both careers. All right, so without any further ado, welcome to the podcast, Katie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. So in order for us all to get to know you, I'm going to start by just asking the cliche question, what came first for you, the chicken or the egg? But in this instance, it is farming or nursing. That's kind of complicated because I grew up on a farm. My parents had a poultry farm. Um, so I grew up on a farm. So I guess you could say farming came first in that aspect. And we live next to a dairy farm where we spent a lot of our time as well. So I always loved the farm life um, growing up. But then when I graduated high school, you know, I needed a career. I always wanted a farm of my own, but that's a, it's a very difficult task. It's not easy to just come out and, you know, purchase a farm. So I knew I had to have a career. So I went into nursing. So then along came nursing. And then after I'd been a nurse for oof, 10 years-ish, close to, close to that, um, I had the opportunity to purchase my own farm, put up my own per- poultry houses, which was amazing. So it was kind of farming and then nursing career for a while. And now back to farming and nursing together. <laughs> oh, wow. That's, that's such a great transition. Um, so can you take, it, take us back to where it all started for you in the poultry industry? What made you choose to build four poultry houses? Well, I think it was going back to my earliest memories of a child when I spent time in the chicken house with my parents and my, my older sisters. I was really too young to work per se, but I spent a lot of time in there with them. My sisters worked. And I just, I always enjoyed it. And I was always kind of sad when they shut the operation down. So I think that's why I went that route, just because that's kind of where my roots were, so to speak. And, you know, with the cash flow option, it did give me, you know, it's, it's, it's a quicker turnaround from a cash flow standpoint than some of the other types of farming. So, okay. Yeah. So what is your favorite part uh, of being a farmer? Favorite? I have to say, without a doubt, it is raising my children on the farm. I have four children. My husband and I have, we, our oldest is 12 and then we have a 10, 10 year old. They're both girls. And then we have a seven year old and a two and a half year old. Both of them are boys. And raise them on a farm is so special to me because I had that as a child. You know, we had a farm, but we also lived next to a farm. So we had, 
kind of the best of both worlds, the experiences there, and just to see them with the animals and the work ethic and seeing them do their chores and they love to be outside. You know, they're not to a screen. They, it, it's just amazing. I, I'd have to say that's hands down my favorite part of being a farmer is it really is a family farm and it's a family affair. We do a lot of things together as a family. You know, when, we, when there's work to be done, we do it all together, um, all six of us. So having those experiences are just, they're priceless really. I know we spoke a little bit before we started recording the episode and you mentioned that they have some 4-H projects on the farm too. They do. They do. So both of my girls have a pony of their own. Um, we actually have three ponies and a mini, um, but they each have one pony of their own. And then we have a, another pony who my son rides frequently, but he really wants to get a cow. He has been begging me and begging me for a cow. That's what he wants is his 4-H project per se. So he rides with them just for fun, but they ride and they're in Pony Express and we also do some lessons here and there. And they're also on the IEA team. So it's like 4-H and they they really have gotten into the equine realm. And so um, my son, my oldest son, he's seven. He rides with them for fun, but he really wants to get a cow for his 4-H project. And we're like chomping at the bit for 4-H because, you know, with COVID, we haven't been able to be at 4-H meetings or anything. So we've missed a lot of that. They did get the opportunity to go and show at the Queen Anne's County Fair, um, which wasn't really the fair this year, but they did a youth show. So they did one day of English and one day of Western riding. So we did have that opportunity. So, but it's it's great that they can, you know, have their ponies here. They're literally in the front yard. So every day, you know, even now that they're doing virtual learning, they walk out on their breaks and they pet their ponies and they brush their ponies. And it's just it's nice to have them do that responsibility and see the connection between them and their their animals. Uh, so what would you say is the biggest challenge that you face as a poultry grower, COVID aside, just in general? I would say the changes uh, in the industry and the market, the market demands are so different. Um, so, you know, you just hope that you can continue without making too many monetary changes to the chicken houses, because as the, as the market demands change, they want different stipulations for growing. Um, and there's a lot of also regulations that, you know, come on the books every year that we have to worry about, um, some of which could be costly uh, to, you know, the average family farmer like me. So I think those changes um, and just hoping, you know, we, the state has had many changes in the past several years and we're very compliant and we do everything they, that they want us done, they want us to do. So I'm just hoping that it remains sustainable financially and otherwise um, for us to continue to grow. I can definitely see how that would be a challenge. And I know that you've been working through everything very well and um, have been pretty successful since building the poultry houses in 2016. It's been great. I mean, really, overall, there's there's good flocks and bad flocks, I guess I should say. But overall, when you look at it, when you take a step back and look at it, we're very fortunate. We, we are very fortunate. That's awesome. So now diving a little bit uh, deeper into the recent industry changes with COVID-19, how has that impacted your career as a poultry grower? Well, that has been tough. Um, some of the fallout of COVID due to the, the different variables, essentially my, one of my layouts was so long that I lost an entire, the time of the entire flock of chickens. So this year's income will be short one flock of chickens because my layout was so long which is tough when you consider that's, you know, 20, 25% of my yearly income. So, you know, we've looked at different options and we're definitely pinching pennies, but that has really made it hard because that's such a large chunk of, you know, what we use to make ends meet. 
Yeah, that's, that's definitely difficult. And to give some of our listeners perspective, do you typically get four to five flocks a year from your integrator? Yes. Yes. Um, we, we really, with the smaller birds that we've been growing recently, um, five flocks a year. So for anybody who's not familiar, generally speaking, um, we have four mortgage payments a year. And so we do a lot of things quarterly, but that, that fifth flock is really what helps pay, you know, the other, the insurances and the taxes, the other large bills that we have just to provide a little bit of perspective on that. So it's really necessary. You know, we, we got to pay our mortgage. We also really have to pay our taxes and our insurances because they're all necessities. Right. So um, it's, it's challenging when you take a hit like that. Yeah. And I know a lot of uh, industry folk have been, you know, trying to work through all the changes that COVID-19 has brought. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've learned something throughout all of this. Is there anything that you can take away from the last six months? I really have um, come to realize to, that I, there are certain aspects that I can't control and to not stress over them. I mean, I think we all know that in life, but I've learned it real time the last six months because, you know, with fallout like that, I, you know, I cannot spend 24 hours a day, seven days a week stressing about that. I still have children to raise and another, you know, job to do. I think it's just to put things into perspective and the work, I think, and I'm not trying to toss anything out, but farm credit's been great ever since, you know, I contacted my loan officer as soon as I found out we were getting depopulated and she's been wonderful and just really gave me the confidence that they're going to work with us. So everything is going to be okay. So to do everything I can on my end, but not overly stress and realize that there's variables that I can't control and that I, you know, I have people backing me to, you know, to help me get around those things. So you spoke about your other job. Do you want to now dive into your nursing career? Because you do such a great job balancing being both a farmer and then a nurse teacher now. So how did it all start for you in nursing? When I graduated high school, I was taking um, classes at Chesapeake, you know, and I took anatomy and physiology. And I absolutely like fell in love with the physiology of the body. And like you, you go a little bit into the disease process at that point in time. But I just thought it was fascinating you know, how the body actually functions and how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was one big snafu is that I had a terrible fear of, of needles. So I did not think that I could ever be a nurse. My mom's a nurse and both of my sisters are nurses. Okay. I thought there's no way I could be a nurse. I had a fear of needles. You know, but as I thought about it, I thought I took anatomy and physiology one and then two. And um, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. I'm, I'm going to try it and come to find out. It looks like I only have a fear of getting needles because I can give them fabulously. So nursing school actually went great for me and I love it. But that was my only hold up there with the nursing. I've always liked people and been, I like to be around people and help people. So it just mm-hmm. kind of fell in my love of people and my love of the physiology of the human body and it just came together and I overcame my fear of needles. Now, I still don't like to get them personally myself, but I can give them. That's funny. No, I'm right there with you. I don't enjoy getting needles either. Um, and I've never given one, so I'm not sure how that would work, but I'm glad that it all worked out for you. So where did you start your nursing career after nursing school? I went to um, Chester River Hospital Center in Chestertown. That's what it was then. It has been bought by a university. I guess it's been a while now, maybe eight or 10 years ago. I'm not sure the exact number, but so I started there and I actually worked there for 12 years um, until I got my job as a nurse educator in which for a little while I did stay on as relief there and would just pick up a shift here and there. But now I've actually, it, it's just too much with teaching and the farm. So now I'm just exclusively teaching at Chesapeake. So I'm teaching the nursing students. Okay. What's your favorite part of being a nursing teacher? I love, love when the students have that light bulb moment mm-hmm. and like things just click for them. 
And it's so important to have competent nurses. And I love teaching the nursing students because they're just so thirsty for knowledge. And I get to have them both in the classroom and in the clinical setting. So in the clinical setting, when, you know, it's like everything you learn in the classroom just comes full circle and they actually can see it and they're a part of it. And those light bulb moments when it all clicks, it's just, it's a great feeling as an educator. Feels like we've really done our job. Yeah, that's great. I, I can imagine. If you're looking for a hands-on educational program that tackles the questions and challenges you have while managing your agricultural business, Ag Biz Masters is your answer. Ag Biz Masters is a learning series where participants complete online modules along with face-to-face regional seminars. Although this year's program seminars will be held virtually, the program is targeted at young beginning farmers in Pennsylvania, Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, and West Virginia. Learn more at agbizmasters.com. That's A-G-B-I-Z-Masters.com. So what is your biggest challenge that you think you face either being a nurse or a nursing teacher? And it could be you personally or just all nurses in the industry. Well, I think, and this is really probably for me, and I think I know a lot of my other fellow nurses, um, it's really hard to balance your commitment to your job and making sure that you keep your family healthy because we go and we take care of other people selflessly. That's what we do as nurses. But we have to make sure, especially with with COVID, and you know, it's, it's always, we, we never want to bring you know anything home to our children, but it's so prevalent right now with COVID. We have to be very careful as to what we bring home. And so balancing that, that healthy act of making sure we don't contaminate our family members is, is really challenging for a lot of people. Yeah. And I think that that's something everyone has learned in the past six months, no matter what their job is or where they go, is making sure that they don't bring anything home to their family and that they're being cautious. So talking more again about COVID, how has that impacted your career as a nursing teacher or how has it impacted nurses that you know and have worked with? Well, as a teacher, it was a really big change because in the middle of last semester, we had to go exclusively online. You know, for some courses, that's realistic expectation and we did it as nurses, but trying to teach nursing students with virtual simulations and such things is a challenge because, you know, ultimately they're going to be caring for real life human beings Mm -hmm. when they become nurses. So trying to simulate that with different virtual experiences is really hard. And the virtual simulations are fabulous as, you know, in addition to -to face-to-face interaction and clinical experiences with real patients. Um, But as a total substitute, it has its challenges. So luckily, we are back into the clinical settings this semester where they can actually care for real humans. Um, But it was really challenging from that standpoint as an educator to try to make these virtual experiences as real life possible so they got the same quality education that they would get if we were actually in the hospital setting. I know the virtual environment has been difficult for all educators and learners the last few months. Um, So I definitely applaud you for diving right into that. And I I do agree with you. I mean, nursing is such a hands-on, in-person, physical job that you can only kind of do so much virtually. So I'm glad that you all are back in the classroom. Um, And it's really got me thinking recently how the agriculture industry has also been adapting to the virtual environment. And I think that we will start to see more classes and learning virtually instead of in person because I think it's been 
pretty beneficial for farmers to not have to pick up and leave their operation to go attend a training when they can do it at home. I mean, you as a poultry grower know how important it is to be close to the farm if something does happen. So I didn't know if you had any thoughts of how, you know, positives that COVID-19 could bring in aspects to the virtual environment for the ag industry. I mean, I think it's kind of limitless at this point. It has forced people to become more comfortable with things such as the different things like Zoom and the, you know, the virtual conferences and the virtual conversations. I think that's great because, you know, otherwise some people would have never learned. And it really is fairly simplistic. So I think it's great because that'll make it more accessible. Even if they have in-person seminars, you know, at some point in time, you can always video them, put them up as a webinar for people to watch later. Because like you said, we don't always have the opportunity to leave the operation, to leave the farm. And it's so much easier when you can just log on and you don't have your transportation time. Sometimes like for me, I don't have childcare. I can just, you know, my kids can kind of, my oldest can watch them in the other room and it can be quiet. So it does, it makes it much more accessible, these learning opportunities. Yes, 100%. So speaking about childcare, you just mentioned, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to get away from the farm. How do you balance your two careers as a poultry grower and a nursing teacher? Well, thankfully for my husband, because now that I've gone to work, I used to work night shift, um, weekend nights actually. So I had much more daytime um, availability for the first several years the farm was in operation. So when I switched to being an educator, it's more daytime weekday hours now, which is great, but it does take away from the farm. I do have off summers, which is fabulous because that gives me, you know, especially with poultry farming, we can't leave the farm in the summer. So that's great. But thankfully my husband is here and we kind of balance between he and I um, doing the chores and my oldest who is 12 can kind of keep an eye on the children in the house. They have walkie talkies, they can communicate. Or oh, a lot of times so the kids actually go out and help with, you know, they go out and help with the chores. So they're actively involved too. So do you feel that one career has helped you become a better either poultry grower or nurse and nursing teacher? Like has starting out farming helped you become a better nurse and teacher or has teaching and nursing helped you become a better farmer in any aspect? I think definitely all the changes that I saw in the healthcare industry over the, you know, the first 10, 12 years that I did that really helped me prepare for all the changes because agriculture is very similar. Um, There's lots of changes all the time and you kind of have to roll with them and you have to put things into perspective. Uh, Again, like I said, there's things that you can and can't change and we have to be as humans, we are innately, you know, resistant to change. But over my time as a nurse, I became much less resistant and I embraced change much better which has served me really well because even though I've only grown chickens for four years, there have been a lot of changes um, and not just COVID, you know, we've had layouts and, you know, different challenges and, but, you know, I've, I've learned to kind of roll with it and take it, you know, one day at a time. So I think that the way I embraced change, it was a good way to come into the poultry industry, I guess, because it is, is it, it's ever changing, just like nursing. I mean, that's just such a great quality to have in any aspect of life, not just your career, because change is pretty inevitable. Yes, it is. So do you have any future plans or goals for your poultry operation? Well, I honestly, right now with COVID, I just want to sustain currently. Um, right. <laughs> we're, we're at a good size. I like, you know, the four houses. I don't, so I don't really want to expand. I just want to continue to do what we're doing now and continue to do the best job that we can do. 
I know recently with COVID, nurses have now been considered first responders. Uh, when people would originally think of the term first responders, they would think fire, EMS, and police. But now with all the nurses being right on the front lines, helping to uh, treat COVID-19 patients, you know, we've been very, very thankful and graciously calling them first responders. Um, and October 28th, is actually First Responders Day, where we are honoring and thanking our first responders. Uh, So how can you kind of speak on how nurses have always been first responders? Well, I think they've always, especially um, emergency room nurses, have always been on the forefront. I had the opportunity to be cross-trained in the ER and really in there with them, you know, first responders, we think of people, like you said, the medics that respond, and they absolutely are first responders. But Anybody and everybody can walk into the ER at one time and you don't know what you're going to face. Um, Their first point of contact is often a nurse. You know, it's not necessarily a medic or or somebody with EMS. So they have really been first responders forever. And I find that they kind of got overlooked for a long time, but they've always been there. They've always been on the front lines. And even to think about COVID-19, like I said, anybody can walk in and I have several ER nurses that are, you know, they're friends. And it's been really scary and challenging for them all at the same time because he just walks in and you're not sure, you know, their signs or symptoms until you start assessing them. At that point, you've already been exposed to them and it's, you know, it's a whole different realm of nursing. But I feel like nurses have always been first responders. I could not agree with you more. And like I said, we're very appreciative for all of their hard work the last seven months now with the COVID-19 pandemic, but also like the emergency room nurses for all of their hard work that they've been doing pre-COVID as well. Yeah, because they do a lot of the stabilization. You know, when somebody presents directly to the ER, they do a lot of the stabilization that you would see out, you know, done out in the field by the EMS or the medics or something like that, you know. So they've, they've really always been there and done that. And they're, they're incredible. I really enjoyed my time that I got to cross train down there and I learned a lot from them. So before we end our conversation today, we like to ask all of our podcast guests one final question. And that is, what do you advocate for in agriculture? I really um, feel strongly that I need to advocate for the general public understanding more about agriculture. Um, We recently, especially in the last, I know, like five or 10 years, um, have gotten really a bad reputation, I think, with a a lot of the different populations. And I really just wish that before people believed everything they read or, you know, every video clip, short video clip they saw about farmers, that they would do their own research and they would actually go to a farm, any farm, and see the livelihood that we live and the passion that we have for what we do, and that we really are, farmers were the original stewards of the land, and I feel that we very strongly still want to be the stewards of the land, even though some people don't agree with that, but I just wish there was a a better understanding for agriculture in general. I agree, and I mean, that's one of the reasons why we have this podcast, trying to share stories of farmers in the mid-Atlantic region and give listeners just another opportunity to get to know them and why they do what they do and how their practices can be both environmentally friendly and sustainable. We're very passionate about what we do and the vast majority are family farmers. I just wish there was a greater understanding. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and just talking to me a little bit about- yeah, your your whole entire uh, life story of growing up and have your family having poultry 
and then you becoming a nurse and then buying and building your own poultry houses and then now teaching nursing is is just very inspiring and um, we're very glad to have you as a member of Mid-Atlantic Farm Credit. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an adventure for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Katie. I hope you have a great day. Thank you. You too. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in today. Be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast with a friend. You can go online to get podcast notes and subscribe to email alerts at mafc.com slash podcast. And you can send any topic or guest suggestions to podcast at mafc.com. Thanks and keep on advocating. <music>